So if you would, turn with me to Hebrews 1, and we're going to read it, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Um, if you have one of the, the Bibles from under your chairs, it is on page 1001, a palindrome, and uh, there is actually no number, so find 1002 and work backwards, you'll be fine. So, we are going to read this, and then we're going to spend some time talking about Jesus as a prophet. So, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So, my main point for today is this, that Jesus was the ultimate prophet in every way because being God, he spoke for God the most clearly, and in his call to repentance, he equipped to repent. So again, my main point, uh, Jesus was the ultimate prophet in every way because in being God, he spoke for God the most clearly, and in his call to repentance, he has equipped us to repent. So, we'll take a look at four main things. The first being Jesus as a prophet, then Jesus' message, then Jesus is the best prophet ever, and then, of course, our response to that. So, looking at the first part, Jesus is the prophet to whom all prophets were pointing. So, a little definition of a prophet. We can just look at Hebrews 1.1, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So, that defines that a prophet is one who spoke for God. Um, We can look at kind of a a quick historical view of the prophets. You don't need to turn there. I will just read it to you. But uh, Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22 is kind of the first part where God outlines for everyone what a prophet looks like. And the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, um, which this is Moses speaking, uh, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word of the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord? If the word does not come to pass or come true, this is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So that just outlines that a prophet was there to speak on behalf of God. So, and we have all throughout uh, the Old Testament in particular, a a whole slew of prophets. Um, You have that definition, then there's a long stretch of silence after Moses, and then you get Samuel as pretty much the first main prophet, 
But if you look, look at a majority of what the prophets had to say, it's revolved around a couple of things. The first, in pretty much every instance, was repent. And then usually there was some sort of message of doom following that. So, like if you look at Samuel, Samuel, there's, like I said, long stretch of silence. God speaks to him. He's just a little kid. He's, he's eight. Then he goes and he, he talks to, to Eli, who was the priest at the time. And pretty much the word is, Eli, your sons are going to die, and so are you. And then it kind of goes on from there. So we have Samuel like that, Ezekiel, who coincidentally I named my son. Um, he has all sorts of excellent examples of telling people to repent, and then just some crazy things he did to tell people of the doom that was coming, i.e. he built a small model of Jerusalem and then smashed it with a skillet. There was that year of walking around naked. There was also that bread, which became popular for a while there, but I hope that they didn't manufacture it in the original cooked-over feces way. Um, but with all of this foretelling of doom, there was always the ultimate message of repent. And in each instance, there was always the opportunity to turn from what, what the Israelites were doing. It was never just repent, this is totally happening. It was repent to prevent this from happening. And in most instances, there was no repentance involved. And then we'll, we'll look to Jesus. So, um, but Jesus is the one to whom all prophets were pointing in general. So Moses, Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22, articulates that there would be a prophet that all would listen to. And then in Acts, uh, Acts 3, Peter is addressing everybody at the temple. And he says, point blank, he's like, in Deuteronomy 18, that was Jesus that we were talking about. So Moses, the greatest of all prophets, is pointing to Jesus, um, which is huge. He was saying Jesus is now better than the law. If Moses, who gave us the law, ultimately points to Jesus as saying one would come beyond. And then also, Jesus himself, in Luke 25, or in Luke 24, I just made up a chapter, in Luke uh, 24, 25 through 27, he explains that all of the prophets point to him. I'll just read that to you. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ would suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So, uh, we see that Jesus also says that all of the prophets pointed to him. Um, so, of course, uh, why don't we see many references to Jesus as a prophet? One is in Luke 24, 24, right before that. Um, he's speaking to the guys on the road to Emmaus, and they say, Jesus was a great prophet. And then minutes later, he calls them fools. So clearly, we stay, we stay away from that. And then also, we need not spend much time talking about Jesus being the ultimate spokesman for God because Jesus is God. So he clearly spoke very well for God. So now, what was Jesus' message? I'm going to take some time, and there Jesus had a whole lot to say, and I am going to funnel it down to just a few things, um, but I don't think that it's missing out on the ultimate point. Um, 
Jesus' ultimate message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, it, it begins in Matthew 4.17. That's where it says, like after Jesus is tempted in the desert, then it says when he came back from the desert, he began his ministry and he began to tell people to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And then again in Mark, in the very beginning, Mark 1.15, he says repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Luke um, what he says to everybody at, uh, at a banquet, he says, I have come to call sinners to repent. So his main message was to repent. And of course, that repent is to turn from our sins and turn to him. So with that, he, he continued the message of repentance that the prophets spoke before him. Um, John the Baptist, when he came along, he said, repent over and over and over again. And he was commanding everyone, like I said, to repent. Uh, to turn from their sins. But then in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, he talks about where he, where he fits in in the law and the prophets, and he points out that he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And then he also says, um, part of one of his commands is that your righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees, which were incredibly righteous guys who knew the, the law through and through, and they lived out every part of that. And he says that you need to surpass that. But then later, Jesus also says in Matthew eleven twenty through 30, that um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And honestly, those statements sound mutually exclusive. Jesus is calling us to repentance and to be righteous like the Pharisees. And then he's like, but my message is easy. So let's take a look at, at why that is and why he would say that. Um, and his response in saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, is contrary to any of the prophets who came before him. As like um, One of my favorites is in the book of Joshua. So Joshua, they, they enter into the land of Canaan. They're, they're set up, they're, they've defeated all sorts of other nations. And then he says, all right, choose this day whom you will serve. And the people are like, well, we're going to serve God. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, he's not even like, try. Come on, guys, try harder. He's like, no, it's not happening. Um, but this is what makes Jesus the greatest prophet ever, is that while that was his message and while he told us to repent, he then equipped us to repent. All the other prophets who came before him, they were just giving a message. They were powerless to do beyond what they were saying. They said, repent, and you should do this, and that's what I've got for you. But Jesus came along, and not only did he say repent, but now he equips us to repent. Um, so if we look at, at Hebrews 1, 2 through 4, uh, just going back to kind of the, the main text here, um, it says, But in these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now this is a big deal coming up right here. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much more superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. After making purification for sins, Jesus didn't just call us to repent and call us to turn from our sins, but then he provided us purification from those sins. So if you would, 
join me in going to Romans 3, uh, 19. We're going we're gonna to read 19 through 26. Um, and that is on page uh, 941. But now, uh, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of those who has faith in Jesus. So because of what Christ has done, we are now seen as righteous before God in Christ being the propitiation. And that is to say, uh, not simply the wiping away of a record of sin, but turning from wrath to favor. It's no longer because of what Christ has done, we get to start at a zero balance and uh, just don't mess up. It turns out we are seen as righteous because of what Christ has done. His work was completed on the cross and we get to be the benefactors of that. Um, and so we... Uh, he has given us righteousness that he has called us to. So now because of that, because we have the righteousness of Christ, we clearly have righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees. And we get to enjoy that. And we don't have to uh, stress and work over that. Um, because ultimately in Jesus calling us to repent from sin, we have Romans 6, which tells us that we are dead to sin. We no longer have to sin. We are dead to sin and alive in Christ. So uh, Jesus was the greatest prophet because without, uh, without everything else that he did, we would be helpless to repent. He called us to repent, and then he has equipped us to repent. And the previous prophets, all they did was they, they called sinners to repent, but then left them helpless. Like they said, you need to repent. Good day. Or if it was Ezekiel, you need to repent. I just smashed some stuff. Um, but we are not helpless. We have not been left to our own devices. Uh, Jesus has freed us from sin. And then also with that, he has provided us the Holy Spirit. Um, then beyond that, he's also given us his word. And so we get, uh, we have the Gospels, which I would encourage you, always be reading the Gospels. If Jesus is God in flesh? If, if Jesus was God speaking for God, we have his words, and we need to, to learn those. We need to, to have those ready and be thinking on those things, um, which is fantastic. So, how do we respond to this? I have a few simple things. One, I would encourage you after this, take a little time and read through Hebrews 1, one through four, because it talks about Jesus as a prophet. Uh, it talks about what a prophet was, but then it also draws out that Jesus was God in flesh. Uh, 
It draws out that he holds things together by, by the, the power of his word. And that in him, God chose to, to dwell the fullness of his being. And that is immense. And I can't fully comprehend it, nor can I articulate it as much as it deserves. Then I would also encourage you to spend a little time, Romans 3, 19 through 26. And we just talked about that. But spend time dwelling on Christ being the propitiation for our sins, for the fact that we no longer are working with just, uh, you know, you, you started, like, you, you've sinned, Christ has forgiven you, just don't mess up. No, we now have his righteousness. Again, another concept which I don't think I can fully articulate that you will comprehend without you spending time thinking on these things. Um, my third bit of advice would be this, to talk about this with fellow believers. I would, I would encourage you, talk about it as though it were a preview for a movie, like it's a good thing that you're looking forward to. Or I would say, uh, like something related to with sports. I don't care anything about sports. And then I would also say, like a, you know, like a vegan at a barbecue. Make everyone slightly uncomfortable that you want to talk about everything that Jesus has done for you. I tried the vegan thing. It was not for me. Failure to thrive. Awful. And then, beyond that, I would say, if you are so bold after you have spent time dwelling on all that Christ has done for us, the various things that he has told us to do, and you have gotten comfortable in conversing on that with the people around you, I would say, share it with others. Once you uh, understand this, and you will never understand it in its entirety, so I say just go for it. Um, but, but spend some time dwelling on that. Then join in with the work of all of the prophets from Moses to Jesus and point people to Christ. Encourage them with repentance. Encourage them with the word and say that, yes, we are called to repent, but Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. That while we need to turn from our sins, he has now equipped us that we no longer have to give in to sin which is a really tough concept to, to also wrap your mind around because we have such a tendency to go back to sin. And so with that, uh, that is the main thing that, that I will leave you with. We now have Advent and Christmas upon us, and you guys are going to spend a lot of time with family. And so if you're like, I don't have too many non-Christians that I know, I'm sure there's some in your family. There's, there's really got to be. I've met a lot of families. And so while you are in forced interactions and you are trying to think of something to, to talk about, I mean, you can definitely touch on the new Star Wars trailer. That's neat. But I would also say, beyond the, the neatness of the movies, um, we also have uh, Christ, who is God in flesh, told us to repent was the sacrifice on our behalf that we could repent and we could draw close to God. And so I am going to pray for us and then we are going to take a little time and we are going to have the Lord's Supper and we're going to think about what Christ has done on our behalf. We're going to think about how that affects us, how that is for us and how that is for others. So I will pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for your word that shows us who Christ is. I thank you for Jesus' finished work on our behalf and that because of that, 
we are justified before you. Father, I thank you for your patience with us. I thank you for your grace. And I ask that you would help us to comprehend these things that, that we don't. And help us to take the appropriate actions that would flow from our, our true comprehension. Thank you again for Jesus. Just pray these things in his name. Amen.